whether you know it or not. Psalm chapter uh, 4 is where you can turn to. We'll get there in just a moment. Psalm chapter 4. <clears throat> and uh, there's three uh, verses in Psalm, the book of Psalm, that use the phrase, stand in awe. And uh, this morning we're going to use those three verses as our three points and uh, look at the idea of standing in awe of God. When uh, uh, I don't know if you ever had a moment in life where you were uh, awestruck by something. I can think of two different times in my life. I remember the first time I ever flew, um, I was flying from Dayton, Ohio to Chicago and then from Chicago to San Juan, Puerto Rico. And uh, those are two very different flights, by the way. Uh, Dayton to, to Chicago, I barely had time to finish my Dr. Pepper. Uh, Chicago to San Juan, I had time to finish a 24-pack of Dr. Pepper. So, um, but uh, lots of up and downs in that, that, uh, that flight from Chicago to San Juan. Miss uh, <laughs> Kathy got it, so that was good. Uh, the, uh, <laughs> I remember in, in flying out of Dayton, uh, we were leaving early in the morning. And it was still kind of dark uh, out when we got to the airport. And uh, then we were loading up and it was sunrise. And we got on the plane and took off. And I remember just the first time coming through the clouds. And you get above the clouds. And the first time I ever got to see that sight as uh, I think I was... Um, I think I was 16, somewhere in that range, 15, 16. And uh, I just remember when the, my first thought when I got through the clouds was, wow, this is incredible. Um, at that point in my life, I'd been saved for a while, but um, you know, I wasn't living a super godly life. I was going on a missions trip. But that doesn't mean you're godly. And, uh, and it came through the clouds, and, and it really just struck me, wow, this is beautiful. This is creation at its best. And uh, to get to see just the top of the clouds is such a unique um, thing that we don't get to see on a regular basis. Most of us don't. And I just remember being awestruck by that. Another far less spiritual awestruck moment for me was me and my dad went to a basketball game in Phoenix. And uh, it was I think it was around my birthday or something like that. And I was cheering for the Phoenix basketball team at that time. And, and uh, so dad said, we're, we were going out to the camp in Arizona. They said, we're going to go a day early. We'll stay in Phoenix that night. We'll go to a basketball game. So we got there as early as you could get there and got into the arena. And we went down, not where we were sitting, but way down to the floor where the players are coming out before like pregame warm-ups, like when the whole team's out there, just a couple of guys out there doing some drills uh, with a coach and things like that. And uh, so I got to go down there and stand right next to the floor and watch some guys just shooting. And uh, there was a guy on the team at the time that grew up really close to where I did. Um, and so we, uh, he was out there warming up, so he called his name or whatever, and he got done, and he came over, and I was getting his autograph and was just telling him, hey, I grew up in Murfreesboro, and that's where the state tournament's always held in Tennessee. And so he's like, oh, yeah, and he grew up in Clarksville, and so all this kind of stuff. So we got talking, but it was the first time I realized how big these people are, um, specifically how tall they are. Uh, you know, baseball, I'd seen a lot of baseball players in my life, but they're like me. You know, they're six foot, five eleven, whatever, three hundred pounds. You know, and they they're not in shape. They just now nowadays they are. They're getting a lot bigger. But uh, when I grew up, baseball was just it was the average guy was playing baseball. Um, but basketball, these guys were massive, and this guy was, I believe, six nine, um, and I just couldn't believe how tall he was, how big he was. And I remember just thinking to myself, they don't look that big on TV, um, but they are massive. 
And there's just different times in life where, where something happens. A third one I didn't think about until just now. Um, but is that moment when the bride comes through the back of the church, uh, is, is it's an awe-struck moment of uh, all the additional makeup that's on them. They never looked that way before. And, uh, uh, and <laughs> now you think about it, honestly, for a second. It takes four hours to do the makeup. So it is different than normal, right? It only takes an hour normally. Four hours, um, they are art- artists, the ladies that come in and do the makeup, they're artists. And, um, uh, but that is a moment. I, I, one of the things I like about doing weddings, uh, performing weddings, is standing there on the platform next to the groom, and right before the door opens, I always turn and say, this is the best part. And uh, door opens and you get to see them. And it's, 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 it's one of those moments of just awe. Of, I don't get to see that every day. It's, it's, it's something unique. It's something special. And uh, today I want to look at that when it comes to God. Standing in awe of God. And we'll look at three verses. We'll look at one here in Psalm 4. We'll look at one in Psalm 33 and one in Psalm 119. And we'll use those three as our points for the sermon today. And then we'll be done. My plans is to be done earlier than normal uh, but good luck with that. Uh, let's pray. Lord, thank you for, your, for the day that you've given us. Thank you for the um, opportunity to look into your word this morning. Thank you that you are a God that we can stand in awe of. And Lord, I pray that today we would have a better understanding of who you are or maybe just be reminded of who you are and some thoughts today that will help us to stand in awe of you. So help us as we look at these verses. Help me to prepare uh, to present them clearly and correctly, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm chapter 4, I have this verse highlighted in my, my Bible. And uh, last week when Brother Matt was here, he did Sunday school in Psalm 1. And right across the page from Psalm 1 in my Bible is Psalm 4. And I saw this highlighted verse and it stuck with me. I couldn't get it out of my, my mind after that. And, uh, and so it says in verse number 4 of Psalm 4, Stand in awe and sin not. Commune with your own heart upon your bed and be still. Selah. Now we're taking this verse out, just one verse out of this psalm. Um, but in this verse, this, this psalm, David here is the psalmist, but given to us through inspiration of God. He is here talking about, uh, in verse number 2, the sons of men, how long will you turn my glory into shame? How long will you love vanity and seek after leasing? Uh, Selah. But know the Lord has set apart him that is godly for himself. The Lord will hear when I call unto him, stand in awe and sin not. I thought about this verse and I remember just thinking one of the ways that will help us to keep from sinning is to not be apathetic in our life when it comes to God. This idea of standing in awe, that's point number one, by the way, is stand in awe and sin not. Uh, The idea of stand in awe, it's, it's 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 a moving, it's being moved by what you're seeing, what you're standing in front of, what you're experiencing. And, and to be moved means you can't be apathetic, right? Apathy is a not being moved. It's the exact opposite. It's, a, it's a, just a, a laziness or it's a not caring. It's a, a, just a standing there, not even noticing what's going on around you or having any care about it. My dad always responded when someone says, I don't care with that's your problem. Um, you could ask, where do you want to eat? I don't care. Well, that's your problem. Um, how do you want to do this schedule? I don't care. Well, that's your problem. Uh, those kind of things there. And, and oftentimes in the Christian life, we spend too much time saying, I don't care. 
too much time living in apathy. Have you ever seen or been somewhere uh, while you were unimpressed by something, then all of a sudden something caught your eye? Um, we went to a circus a couple years ago that was here in Lexington at Rupp, and, and uh, there were things there that I was just not that entertained by, right? The dogs, I, I don't know. The dogs don't entertain me too much. Everybody does the same thing with the dogs. They jump through the hula hoops and they roll over and they dance on their back legs. And yeah, we've, we've seen that before. Uh, but then something would come out that I hadn't seen before, like the tigers. Uh, or the lions. I don't remember if it was lions or tigers that were there, but they had the guy out there with the whip and, and they were doing different things. And then you had the elephants come out. I don't see elephants every day. I don't know about you, but I don't. And, and it was kind of neat to see that kind of stuff. And then they had the guys come out with trampolines, which was really cool, I thought. And they were doing cool flips and different things that I couldn't do. And uh, those kind of things. So, so at a moment that you're sitting there going, this is boring, then all of a sudden something clicks and you're like, wow, that's really cool. Fireworks are this way. Um, uh, you have fireworks, and, and if you go to a fireworks show, that's 20 minutes of one firework going, and everybody going, okay. And the next one, all right. And it goes on for 20 minutes, and then finally they light everything. And it's like, oh, now that's something I'm interested in. Uh, you know, all this explosion. It only lasts for 30 seconds, but it is the coolest thing you, you've seen. I heard on the radio this week someone say, why doesn't every... Uh, a firework place just light them all off at one time. Everybody would be more entertained by 30 seconds of that than by 30 minutes of what you get. Um, I thought, ah, that's interesting. I don't know that I might agree with you on that one. Um, but uh, uh, that idea of, of being unimpressed and all of a sudden being impressed. You know, you're kind of walking around like you think a mummy walks uh, just whatever throughout the day and then something that's something. Sometimes it's a car drives by and it's either really loud or really old or really cool looking and you're like, oh, that's cool after seeing all the uh, little sedans drive past you on the interstate and things like that, um, different things. But this idea that um, sin, it says in verse 4, stand in awe and sin not. And I put those two things together, but I believe it is together in this verse, where if we will stand in awe of God, it will help us then to refrain from sinning. And too much of our life is, is in apathy and not in awe of God, and therefore that's why the sin is there, because we don't have a proper respect, reverence, or awe of who God is. Um, you look at Eve in Genesis 3. Turn with me to Genesis 3. I like reading this passage. We won't go to all these examples, but Genesis 3 is a good one. Genesis 3, starting in verse number 1, Now the serpent was more subtle, than any beast of the field which the Lord had made. And he said unto the woman, that's Eve, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of, this, of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent, by the way, that phrase, neither shall ye touch it, God didn't say that. Um, Eve said that. She added that to it, but nonetheless. Uh, and the serpent said unto the woman, You shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree to be desired of make, uh, to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. So what happened here is Eve lost sight of who God was and put her eyes on the things that looked good to her. There was no awe of God in this moment. There was no understanding of who God was and that God is truth in this, in this circumstance. 
And so she listened to what the serpent had to say. And then on top of what the serpent said, she looked at what she thought would be good, what she wanted. You know, from the beginning of time, and this is the example, from the beginning of time, people have always wanted what they can't have, yet they've always chosen that in spite of knowing that there's going to be consequences. To this day, people still do this. There's things in life that we know, I'm not supposed to do this, I'm not supposed to watch this, I'm not supposed to listen to this, I'm not supposed to think this way, whatever it is, and we know that if we go forward with it, there's going to be consequences, and yet still, we do it. And it's a result of us not standing in awe of who God is. Eve was told by her Creator, you can have everything in this garden, but this one tree you cannot eat of. Stay away from it. You can't. One thing, think about this, in all of the universe there was one thing Eve couldn't have. And yet, after a little talking to by the serpent, and after a little staring at it and thinking about it, she lost sight of God. She put her sight on herself because she says it was good to fruit, uh, good, good for food and pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise. And she took of it. When we don't stand in awe of God, we will sin. When the Bible says stand in awe and sin not, and here you're looking at the context of Psalm 4, there are these that are sinning and these that are wicked and these that are uh, the sons of man that are, that are doing what they want to do. And then the phrase is, stand in awe and sin not. Stop your sinning and then you can do that if you will stand in awe of God. Eve didn't uh, lost her awe of God. Um, the next chapter talks about Cain. God says to bring a sacrifice and Cain doesn't bring the sacrifice that God said to bring. Why? Because he was in awe of his own things and not in awe of God. And because Cain didn't stand at all, he sinned. David lost his awe of God. Think about David for a moment. David was a, um, a, a young man. He was not, from what we can understand, um, uh, much to look at in terms of strength. Uh, he was not, I don't think he was weak and feeble like we oftentimes make him out to be. Uh, I don't think any of the men back in that time were because of all the things they had to do. But, um, but when he put on Saul's armor, he was much smaller than Saul. Everybody was. He was much smaller than Saul, and, and that didn't work. And David watched and depended on God and, and had awe of God when he walked out to, to, to stand in front of Goliath with a slingshot and five stones compared to Goliath's armor, his sword, his spear, and the shield that came before him, not even attached to him, being held by another man coming out in front of him. David walking out armorless and with only a weapon of a slingshot and a stone. David was in awe of God at that moment. Because when Goliath said, I will feed you to the birds, David said, my God will feed you to the birds. David stood in awe of God and he went out and defeated Goliath. David stood in awe of God, I believe, in many ways as he was waiting for the throne as Saul was trying to kill him. Yet when David was at his house one day when I believe he should have been gone, David, and we see this in David's life where he got to some points in his life where he kind of forgot that it was all God and, and got a little bit of himself thinking it was me. 
and he's at home and he sees Bathsheba across the way. He lost his awe of God and he stood in awe of his own desires and he sinned. Proverbs 1 verse 10 says, If sinners entice thee, consent thou not. It is the thing that still carries on today, just say no. When I was a kid, that was a very popular phrase. Just say no. Say no to drugs. Just say no. You know, God says if someone entices you to sin, just say no. And doesn't it sound easy, but it's not really that easy. But if you'll stand in awe of God, it will be easy. Because the serpent's going to visit you and he's going to say, you like this, this feels good for you, why don't you do it? He'll find a way to try to justify it in your mind and you'll allow him to do so and, and you'll fall into that sin. Stand in awe and sin not. Just say no. Just say no to sin. If we'll stand in awe, if we'll understand who God is, that'll help us then when it comes to sinning to be able to, to, to uh, stray from it, to get away from it, to run from it, to flee it, if we'll just stand in awe of God. And that's really what our second point is. Turn with me to Psalm 33. <clears throat> Psalm 33, look in verse number 8. Let all that all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of Him. Point one, stand in awe and sin not. Voice number two, stand in awe of Him, of God. Let's look back at verse number one of Psalm 33. Rejoice in the Lord, O ye righteous, for praise is comely for the upright. Praise the Lord with harp. Sing unto Him with psaltery and, and, uh, and an instrument of ten strings. Sing unto him a new song, play skillfully with a loud noise. For the word of the Lord is right, and all his works are done in truth. He loveth righteousness and judgment, and the earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the host of them uh, by the breath of his mouth. He gathered the waters of the sea together as an heap. He layeth up the depth of the, in the storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. He's talking about creation here and all that God has done in creation. More to it than that, but he's, he brings that back up here in Psalm 33. And in, and in verse number 8, he says, Stand in awe of Him. To fear the Lord correctly, biblically, we have to stand in awe of God. I believe in this passage we're even looking at worship a fair amount. And the fact of standing in awe of God means that we worship God and He is worthy to be worshipped and He alone. No one else is worthy of worship. No one else is worthy of honor or glory the way God is. Uh, I see all the time people post online about uh, their church and I did this and I did this and, and this ministry is responsible for this and all these kinds of things and, and I just reminded that no one is to receive the glory in the church other than God. I can preach what I think to be the greatest message in the world, and if it is, it has nothing to do with me. Uh, we could see a, a day of Pentecost where thousands of people come to the Lord in one day at our church, and, and, and sadly, we would be tempted to go, it's because of this thing that we did, when the result of it would simply be just God. He alone is worthy of our worship. 
Psalm 95, verse 5 and 6 say this, The sea is His, and He made it, and His hands formed the dry land. Oh, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. God is the Creator of the universe, and He is worthy of our worship, and we should be able to stand in awe of Him just because of what we know of Him already. It's not to say that we don't need to learn more about Him, but what we see of God and what we know of God already should be enough for us to stand in awe of Him. Turn with me to Revelation 14. Revelation is a, is a deep study. If you're reading the whole book, it, it'll take some time to study it out. But uh, let's take two verses out of chapter 14 here in verse number 6 and verse number 7. It says, And I saw another, fly, another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth, and to every nation and kindred and tongue and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to Him, for the hour of His judgment has come, and worship Him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of waters. When we're talking about this standing in awe and even worshiping of God, it consistently in the Bible comes back to creation. Why? Because we have eyeballs. And those of us that are not blind can see with our own eyes the majesty of God and His creation. I'm not a scientist by any stretch of the imagination, but I am. Uh, when I see it, which is rare now, but I'd growing up in high school and, and school and things, and you look at science, and you look at the the body, the way it works, from the brain to the blood flow to the nervous system, and all those kinds of things, to the muscles and the bones, and how they connect and how they work together, and how it all comes together. To think that someone, if I can use that phrase, made that. God did. There are things, computers blow my mind. Phones blow my mind. How one phone can do so much and how the technology that's in these little bitty squares have the power to do so many things. But the technology that we have in our phones and in our computers still does not match up to the technology that we have in our bodies. And the way that God orchestrated it, and the way that God made it, and how the brain has two different halves, and they work different things, and they send different signals, and they, the, the pain that I feel in my toe is a result of my brain. And, and all of this that works together, again, the way the, the blood flows through the system, and the importance of the blood getting to this, and if it's not here, then this dies off, and all these kinds of things that happen, God created it. We can go look at nature, and trees, and, and the ocean. I'm telling you, the ocean is something incredible to see when you, you look out, and you can't see anything but water. Then if you study what's below the ocean and you see the different cliffs and it's just like we have on dry land only it's under the water and there's basically mountains and valleys and things that go on. There are parts of the ocean that humans have never been in yet. You look at the uh, stars and the galaxies and the planets and the intricacies that if the earth was any closer to the sun it would burn. If it was any further away from the sun it would freeze to see how the, everything works the way God placed it is incredible and we should stand in awe of Him and worship God and God alone 
No person on this planet, no person you've ever looked up to on this planet has ever done anywhere close to the things that God has done. No scientist has ever figured out half of God's creation. Stand in awe of Him. I've said this so many times in this church, that if we know who God is and what He's capable of, we will obey Him. It's when we fail to stand in awe of who He is. It's when we fail to realize what He's capable of. That's when we fail to obey what God desires for us. Stand in awe and sin not. Stand in awe of Him. Let's go to number 3, Psalm 119. Towards the end of Psalm 119. Psalm 119, look at verse 161. Princes have persecuted me without a cause, but my heart standeth in awe of thy word. Stand in awe and sin not. Stand in awe of Him. Stand in awe of the Word of God. Our life is to be lived in accordance with God's Word, with the Bible. And if you don't have a proper awe of God's Word, you won't obey it. If you view the Bible as just a book, just a good book, you're not going to obey it. If you view the Bible as a, as a history book, you're not going to obey it. If you view the Bible as a storybook, there are some incredible stories in the Bible. But if you view it as a storybook, you're not going to obey it. You have to stand in awe of what the Bible is. It is God's Word. So many people justify their life and their sin because they don't stand in awe of God's Word. What is the Bible? 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Meaning God breathed, God inspired, God wrote these words for us. God used 40 men to pen it on paper. But it's God who spoke the words. It's God who has preserved the words through translation to other languages. And God promises to do so. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It is God's Word. And when we look at the Bible and we take parts out of it and say, well, I'm going to use this for my life, but I'm going to leave this part out. We don't stand in awe of what God's Word is. And there are people today who do this consistently. Where, well, I love God, and I go to church. Yeah, but the way that you're living is wicked. And the Bible says in this passage to, to not do this. Well, you don't understand and the original Greek. <laughs> no, it's pretty clear. And there are many instances in the Bible where it is truly black and white. Do this. Don't do this. Refrain from this. Abstain from this. Flee from this. Follow this. Obey this. Do this. 
and those are the things that to this day people are are trying to combat. They're trying to to justify in their minds. The reason why is because they don't stand in awe of what it is that they're reading. To stand in awe of the Bible is the same as standing in awe of God. Why? Because it's God's Word. If we don't properly understand what the Bible is, we don't properly understand who God is. If you think about a book, uh, the uh, autobiography, if I'm using my terms correctly, would be when the person writes about themselves, right? Okay, good. Probably should have checked this before I used it as an example. Um, if you're going to read a story about someone's life, is it not better to read an autobiography over just a biography? When the person writes it themselves, as opposed to when someone writes, say, someone today writing about someone who existed 300 years ago, they're going to get things correct and they're going to see different things from different people and all that kind of stuff, and they're probably going to do their research and all that. But is it not better to, to read it from the person themselves, to hear it from the person themselves? Because they know what they were thinking. They know what they were doing. They know why they did it or why they didn't do it. And all those kinds of things go into it. And so the stories are all around better when they're the ones that wrote it. God wrote the Bible. We're not reading Paul. We're reading God. We're not reading David. We're we're reading God. We're not reading Moses. We're reading God. The words that are in Scripture are given to us by God for a purpose, for a reason, for us to read and for us to learn. We have to stand in awe of God's Word. Matthew 24, 35 says, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. You know, there have been dictators, there have been uh, uh, leaders in this world who have tried to rid the world of the Bible many times over. Uh, was it? I don't remember. I shouldn't even try to say names. But there have been uh, emperors who have tried to burn every Bible. That sent soldiers through houses looking for Bibles. There have been um, kings and dictators and and, and different uh, leaders across the world through all different time uh, genres that have tried to rid the world of the Bible, but they can't do it, and they never will. Because God said, "Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words shall not." Isaiah 40, verse 8 says, The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of God, the word of our God, shall stand forever. Hebrews 4, 12 explains the Bible as this, For the word of God is quick and powerful, and it's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The Bible is powerful. And we should stand in awe of what the Bible can do in our life. When we're depressed, the Bible can give us joy. When we're hurt, the Bible can give us healing. When we're happy, the Bible can give us more reasons to rejoice. When we're, uh, uh, when we're questioning, the Bible can give us answers. The Bible is powerful, and it can pierce through our heart, and it can change our lives in ways that nothing else can. Psalm 119, verse 105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It gives instruction. It gives direction. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for instruction and in righteousness. The Bible is something that we should stand in awe of. And yet many people, many Christians in this world, give the Bible five minutes of their day, if that. Psalm 4 says, Stand in awe and sin not. If I don't read the Bible, I can guarantee you I'm, I'm, I'm sinning. <laughs> I 
if for no other reason than I'm not reading the Bible. Psalm 33, verse 8 says, Stand in awe of Him. Well, how can I stand in awe of Him if I don't read my Bible? I'm not learning who God is and what God can be for me. Psalm 119, 161 says, that, uh, Stand in awe of Thy Word. He says, My heart standeth in awe of Thy Word. We should be the same, standing in awe of God's Word and what it's capable of and how it can change my life and my day, and my minute for the better. Are you standing in awe today, or are you standing in apathy? Are you living life biblically? Are you seeking to grow your relationship with God? Do you desire to learn more of God? If you're battling with sin today, I believe it starts with this fact that you're not standing in awe of God. Remember Adam and Eve, after they ate of the fruit, they realized they didn't have any clothes on. Hadn't had clothes on since they were created. Never meant anything to them until all of a sudden they sinned. Now there was shame. And God came to the garden and they tried to hide from God. Why? Because they were beginning to stand in awe of God again. When we don't stand in awe, we will sin. Stand in awe and sin not. Understand who God is. Stand in awe of Him. And understand that God has given you His words for your benefit. The Bible will help you, and you must read it. You must learn from it. You must grow from it. You must study it. If not, you're missing so many things that can help you in your life. From wisdom uh, to pulling you out of a depression... Stand in awe of God's Word. Stand in awe today and let God do things for you that maybe you've never experienced before. Lord, I thank You for who You are, for what You've done. And we can look around us today and see creation. We can look around us today and see answered prayers for our church in recent, recent days. We can stand around and see the different things that You've done in our lives. Lord, may we stand in awe of who You are. God, the sin that's in our lives that we know that we shouldn't have, it's a result of us not truly understanding who you are or or, um, following who you are. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to stand in awe of you. And God, you've given us this Bible for us to have, to read. You've made it so simple for us in today's time where we can stick headphones in and listen to your word being read. You've given us many tools that can help us Uh, to understand Your Word, and most importantly, the Holy Spirit. God, at our fingertips, we have everything that we ever need, and yet so oftentimes we don't stand in awe of Your Word. Lord, today I pray that You would grow us, Lord, that You'd open our hearts, that You'd open our eyes, so that we can stand in awe of You again. Lord, there has been a moment in our lives where we stood in awe of of our Savior. We accepted the the gift of salvation. Lord, I ask now, now what are we doing? God, help us to be reminded of You today so that it will help us for tomorrow to continue. May we stand in awe. I pray this in Jesus' name. Heads bowed and our eyes closed. We won't have an invitation. We won't even have you raise your hands.
But I do ask you, are you apathetic today? <clears throat> we all have bad days. But characteristic of your life right now, are you walking your, your daily life in apathy? Or are you standing in awe of who God is? Friend, it'll help us if we'll think every day and ask every day for God's help and to learn and grow who He is. Stand in awe of God. And watch God change your life for the better. You have uh, concerns in your life right now, take them to God. Think of who He is and what He's capable of. Take them to God. You're struggling with things, take it to God. Stand in awe of Him. If you're not reading your Bible on a regular basis, you need to. It's so important for your life. It's not just a religious thing that you can check off your checklist. It's, it's important. It's crucial to you living a, a happy, a fulfilled life. And one that's obedient to God. You won't do it unless you're in your Bible. Dedicate yourself, if you don't already, to reading God's Word on a daily basis. Lord, help us to be what we ought to be, I pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. All right, let's be dismissed for lunch and get everything set up. Once we're all set up, uh, we'll be dismissed and uh, we will eat.